America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when uh, President Trump is declaring victory for his chosen candidate in Pennsylvania, even though that race for the U.S. Senate is too close to call and actually could determine who, uh, which party really controls the U.S. Senate after the election. It's uh, also going to be a very tough, close, tightly competitive race uh, in the general election, almost surely. The, uh, the two candidates in, who are dueling for the Pennsylvania nomination, uh, they, they are Dave McCormick, uh, who was a candidate. We spoke to Rick Santorum yesterday, the longtime conservative uh, and Republican senator from Pennsylvania who was supporting Dave McCormick. Uh, and then President Trump's candidate, who uh, is Mehmet Oz, the TV doctor, who had one of the strangest closing arguments that he offered uh, before the primary that, that may have made a difference. Now, right now, Dr. Oz is running ahead 31.3% uh, to 31.1%. And in Pennsylvania, according to the law in Pennsylvania, if the margin is less than uh, one half of one percent, and this is much less than one half of one percent, it's just 2,000 votes of uh, over a million votes between these two candidates. If uh, this uh, does go to a recount, who knows? Because apparently there are 30,000 ballots yet to be counted. Uh, President Trump, however, says that uh, Dr. Oz should declare victory and, um, and, and basically uh, then determine that he has won the election. Uh, Dr. Oz, of course, no political experience before this individual race. You know, uh, Jeremy, let, let's play the closing argument from Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. This is against Dave McCormick. Dave McCormick. Uh, somebody who had broad support. He supported President Trump uh, strongly, but uh, in fact, he supported President Trump long before Dr. Oz did, but he did not get the Trump endorsement. This is Dr. Oz's closing argument before the primary. This is uh, clip 18. I'm that bold voice President Trump called out that we need to have in Washington, D.C. to represent our Pennsylvania values. When you go to bed at night and put your head on that soft pillow, you know Oz will be doing exactly what you want him to do if you were there next to him. When you put your... <laughs> what is he... Can we, can we hear that again? Because there's quite a bit of discussion about this. I mean... The idea that uh, appealing to suburban female voters that they trust Dr. Oz, that uh, they help that Dr. Oz is going to heal whatever it is that's bothering them. He has made a great deal of money, Dr. Oz, with his TV show selling some dubious medical cures. But Dr. Oz is going to be right next to you on the bed as you put your head on the pillow and doing exactly what you want from him. Is he suggesting that he is going to provide some intimate comfort to worried voters? Here again, Dr. Oz's big pitch. Listen. 
I'm that bold voice President Trump called out that we need to have, that we need Washington, D.C. to represent our Pennsylvania values. When you go to bed at night and put your head on that soft pillow, you know Oz will be doing exactly what you'd want him to do if you were there next to him. I wish I knew how to quit you. Yeah! Is this a my pillow deal? Is that, <laughs> is Mike Lindell going to be there too uh, with, with Dr. Oz on the other side <laughs> to do? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so uh, they can't do a revote. I mean, come on. And there, there will be a Republican nominee, and that Republican nominee is going to be running against a gigantic weirdo. And gigantic meaning six feet eight inches tall. Uh, yes, the lieutenant governor who is is way out. He's a former Bernie bro. He's way out in the left wing of the Democratic Party and running for Senate in a what is really not a left wing state. Philadelphia, Philadelphia may be, but the state of Pennsylvania is not. James Carville's famous for saying that what Pennsylvania really is, is you've got Pittsburgh on one side and then Philadelphia on the other side of the state, the eastern side of the state with um, um, Alabama in the middle. I'm not sure that's accurate. But meanwhile, uh, Doug Mastriano, who uh, won the, as expected, also a Trump-endorsed candidate, he won the uh, campaign, the nomination for governor of Pennsylvania. And he, um, uh, he sounded like this in his victory speech uh, last night for the Republican nomination. Governor Mastriano, well, maybe. Uh, he's Colonel Mastriano. He's an Army veteran, and he's an outspoken Trump supporter and supported by President Trump. This is uh, the candidate declaring victory. Yeah, I just want to say a few things here. And uh, the left, together with their friends in the traditional media, of course, are trying to paint us in a particular picture. And uh, my campaign has no place for hate, bigotry, and intolerance. And that's that's the same for that's right. That's right. And that's the same for any media outlet. If, if I read articles where you're attacking Christians and painting us in a particular picture that, that's hateful and intolerant, we won't have the time of day for you. Okay. Uh, the uh, thing about uh, Mastriano is he was there on January 6th uh, to protest the election. He has called for overcoming the election. And the reason this is so particularly uh, important in Pennsylvania. And we're going to be talking about primaries in general and primaries elsewhere. There were some very embarrassing losses for President Trump as well as these victories. But Mastriano, if he is elected as governor, he would, uh, first of all, be able to work with the legislature. He is very pro-life. And in fact, he favors a total ban on abortion with no exceptions at all uh, at during the entire course of the pregnancy. And uh, if that becomes an issue, an abortion in, in Pennsylvania because of Roe v. Wade being overturned, if it is in fact overturned by the Supreme Court, as appears extremely likely based upon the unauthorized leak of Justice Alito's opinion, if that happens, then uh, he would have as governor a very big impact with the ability to either veto or sign 
whatever abortion bill the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania, and they do have a Republican legislature and are likely to have one after November as well, I, he would have an impact on that. There's something else even maybe more important to many people. Uh, Doug Mastriano, if he does end up winning this thing and beating the state's attorney general, Joshua Shapiro, who right now is favored. I mean, the polls show him running ahead. He's much better known than Mastriano, but that'll change because there will be huge advertising on this election. And here's why. Under the Pennsylvania Constitution, the Secretary of State, the guy or woman who is going to be in charge of running, supervising the election, so that uh, it would be following rules and dictates and executive decisions made by the Secretary of State. Secretary of State isn't elected. He's appointed by the governor. So if uh, President Trump's uh, candidate for governor, who strongly believes that Pennsylvania was stolen in the last election, he would be appointing a new Secretary of State. Meanwhile, the latest on Finland and Sweden, their desire to join NATO, will they be blocked? Why? How? That and more coming up on The Medved Show. When you go to bed at night, put your head on that soft pillow, you know Oz will be doing exactly what you'd want him to do if you were there next to him. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. MichaelMedved.com. Michael Medved. Look him in the eye and say loudly and clearly, back up, you creep. It's the Michael Medved Show. Get away from me. And uh, that was actually a message from voters concerning perhaps the most controversial member of Congress right now, incumbent, who lost his primary um, and lost it badly. Uh, we're, we'll get to the fate of uh, Congressman Madison Cawthorn. That was another candidate strongly endorsed by President Trump. He repeated that endorsement yesterday and the day before. Uh, Madison Cawthorn a uh, basically not returning to the House of Representatives. And he, by the way, acknowledged his loss in the primaries. He lost to a state senator named Chuck Edwards, a Republican conservative state senator, without some of the same personal problems of uh, Congressman Cawthorn, who had been the, the youngest member of Congress. Now he gets to be a former member of Congress at age 27. Uh, he's 26 now. Anyway, uh, the news internationally has been pretty good. There's a story about a colonel in the Russian army, not another one who was killed or shot or lost in the war, but who appeared on a panel show on state television and said Russia was doing badly in the war. And basically, apparently, the people who are sitting next to him who were uh, very much aware of the fact that in Russia you can go to prison for 15 years for saying that in public. And he just said it on national TV, on the state-supported network. So what is the story here? 
And where does that go? Well, one of the things that has already cost Russia a great deal in terms of their policy objectives, one thing that Russia wanted to do in one area where they sort of supported uh, certainly efforts among some in the Trump administration, and this is part of my, uh, Mark Esper's book that we spoke about yesterday with the former defense secretary, is that President Trump had mused publicly about actually having the U.S. leave NATO or disbanding NATO, and he wasn't sure that NATO was important. Well, since the war in Ukraine, it's very obvious to everybody who's paying attention how important NATO is and the level of unity NATO has achieved even with one uh, problematic member, uh, Turkey. But Turkey apparently with Recep Erdogan having political problems at home has been trying to move back into a more pro-American, pro-NATO direction. Uh, they apparently have been trying very hard to uh, come to terms uh, with uh, the United Arab Emirates, where there was just a meeting with uh, the new head of the United Arab Emirates because a previous prince had died. But in any event, and he had met with Erdogan, the um, uh, strong man, not quite dictator because he's still subject to elections, but certainly the number one guy in Turkey. Uh, Turkey is now blocking the start of the NATO talks to include Finland and Sweden, which are applying jointly. Uh, he's doing that because he wants some concessions from Finland and particularly from Sweden about uh, their cracking down, uh, not sufficiently cracking down, Erdogan says, on uh, Kurdish uh, independence groups that uh, Erdogan considers terrorists. Turkey blocked the start of Finland and Sweden's accession talks to NATO today. Shortly after the Nordic nations submitted their formal applications, a signal of what could be a bumpy process to expand the alliance and reshape Europe's post-Cold War security architecture. Reshaping it in a, a clearly pro-Western direction. I mean, Finland joining NATO is huge. Uh, Sweden, because of the formid formidability of the Swedish Navy, is also huge for control of the Baltic. But uh, the, the idea that uh, this is going to be held up while they try to negotiate something about the PKK, about the Kurds, the Kurds represent by far the largest stateless population the largest population group, I believe they count about 30 million Kurds, and there is no independent Kurdistan. They have no, the best they have is a uh, portion of Iraq that is uh, supposed to be quasi-independent. And so this might be another international problem that uh, is going to be on the desk of Tony Blinken, the uh, the Secretary of State for the Biden administration. Uh, meanwhile, we played a, um, a bit of the victory speech from uh, Doug Mastriano, the new Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, the uh, Democratic nominee for senator from Pennsylvania 
is uh, this very strange guy, John Fetterman, who is just now recovering uh, from a stroke that hit him just days before the election. And now the election, of course, all tied up uh, much too close to call still the day after the primary, and we'll see if it goes to a recount. It looks like it will between Mehmet Oz, who is the current front runner, and uh, Dave McCormick, who is very close behind. They're separated by 2,000 votes, where they each have more than 400,000. Uh, in any event, John Fetterman, the, uh, the guy who goes everywhere wearing gym shorts, even in sub-zero, sub-freezing weather, and hoodies, uh, that's his campaign uniform. And yes, he's 6'8", and he has a shaved bald head and uh, a little goatee, and he's a hipster candidate. But his wife uh, spoke to CNN about her husband's victory because he was unavailable to do so. He's still in the hospital from his stroke and some surgery. Uh, this is clip eight. He is a bionic man now. He's feeling great. Um, he, the surgery was perfect, and he is impatient, and he is just ready to get back on the ground, but I am not letting him just yet. And when do they think he'll be well enough to campaign? Did, I don't have that date yet. They said it a couple days, but they didn't give me a firm date yet. Um, he was under observation today after the, um, the surgery today. The surgery was great. I think they'll just watch him, and then hopefully we'll have a firm date when I get him home. Okay, uh, she won't get him home for long because he will be back on the campaign trail. He would have in in Pennsylvania uh, just um, because the Biden administration is not popular in Pennsylvania. And the legislature remains clearly Republican and probably will after the election. But uh, uh, for Fetterman, whether he's running against uh, Dr. Oz... Or um, uh, Dave McCormick, uh, particularly if he's running as Dave McCormick, I think he would have a tough, tough race. So what about other races and what everybody is talking about? Was yesterday a good day or a disastrous day for Donald Trump? That and more with uh, Jonathan Allen of NBC News coming up on The Medved Show. Medved Show, a pleasure to welcome back to the show NBC reporter Jonathan Allen, one of the chief voices reporting on politics on NBC. He's the senior politics reporter at NBC News. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. We have gotten to know him through his books uh, Shattered, which is all about how Hillary Clinton lost her campaign for president in 2016. And lucky how Joe Biden, he says, barely won the presidency. Uh, Jonathan, great to speak to you. I, I know you've been, like many of us, uh, neck deep in uh, primary returns and surprises. Uh, first of all, if you were looking around the country at all of these explosive primary elections, what would be the biggest surprise? Oh, that's such a great question, Michael. Um, 
You know, I, I think uh, I am surprised that we that we saw this race in Pennsylvania, the Senate Republican primary, uh, end up with, you know, effectively a tie, right? We're, we're still waiting for final votes to be counted there. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit surprised at the late surge of David McCormick, who I thought, uh, you know, was not going to do as well as he did. Um, and, and so the, the real bar burner there, and it will continue to be, and of course, um, you know, a ton of focus on uh, on all that late counting of, um, of mail-in ballots. Now, uh, uh, President Trump apparently has given out a statement where he had endorsed Mehmet Oz, the chief opponent to Dave McCormick. President Trump says uh, uh, Dr. Oz should just declare victory. Now, uh, good advice? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it's good advice. It's certainly not surprising advice for President Trump, who uh, declared victory on election night, um, I guess, in the wee hours of the morning uh, in 2020. Um, you know, we, we, we know that that's the... That's his style, declare victory and, and make people prove you wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for those of us who are invested in the uh, actual vote counting and, and figuring out who won, uh, it appears to be premature. Yeah, and most of the ballots that are uh, not yet counted are um, uh, mail-in ballots, are they? I believe that's the case. Um, I, you know, I've got some colleagues. I was focused on a, a North Carolina race yesterday. I've got some colleagues that are more uh, in on the technicalities of, of where we are in Pennsylvania, but I believe that's the case. Okay. In terms of another candidate who was strongly endorsed by uh, President Trump, in fact, President Trump's statement two days ago about Madison Cawthorn was, yes, Madison has made some foolish mistakes, which I don't believe he'll ever make again. Let's give Madison a second chance. Well, voters in his district in Western North Carolina said, no way. Uh, was that surprising to you? Uh, I, it was an upset. It was a little surprising. Um, I wasn't shocked. I actually went down to the district um, a couple weeks ago to talk to voters there. Um, there certainly was a lot of embarrassment about Cawthorn. He is, uh, uh, I was going to say he's most famous for, but there are a lot of things for which he's famous, uh, one of which is claiming uh, that fellow lawmakers had invited him to do cocaine, had invited him to participate in orgies. There were pictures of him in lingerie that surfaced um, and a variety of other scandals and pseudo scandals. And, and ultimately, it was a little bit of an embarrassment to the voters of the district. The other thing I heard was uh, that folks in the district didn't feel like he was uh, paying attention to the basic job of a congressman, that he was pursuing celebrity at the expense of uh, minding his constituency. Um, so, it was an eight-way race. Uh, State Senator Chuck Edwards, who is a, uh, a rock-ribbed conservative in the legislature from North Carolina, uh, you know, ended up winning that race with uh, about a third of the vote. Uh, in North Carolina, if the first-place finisher has more than 30 percent, uh, there is no runoff. Uh, if everybody had been below 30 percent, there would have been a runoff. It was very close, but, um, you know, I think the voters decided to, uh, to give Cawthorn a second chance at being a private citizen. <laughs> well, and good luck with that. You know what? Again, I, I have not heard a lot of conversation about it. But what struck me and why I will admit it, I wanted with all my heart to see Madison Cawthorn thrown out of the Congress of the United States is because of his comments on Ukraine. In other words, uh, saying that, okay, we should withhold some of the aid, that's one thing. But uh, he said that Zelensky 
who is a world hero, frankly, was a thug. Uh, he also said that the Ukrainian government, not Putin, the Ukrainian government was incredibly evil, right? Uh, right. Do you have any idea I mean, why? Um, I, I don't know why. I do know that there is a, uh, a segment of the Republican Party, I think it's a very small segment of the Republican Party, that uh, is, um, you know, more sympathetic to Vladimir Putin uh, than most of the rest of the, Amer the United States is and has struggled with how to talk about what's going on right now uh, since the Russian invasion, which I think most of, I, which I know most of the world abhors, uh, and the vast majority of uh, both Republican and Democratic office holders abhor. So, you know, I think he was struggling to find a way to, uh, to not condemn Trump, and what he did is ended up uh, calling Zelensky uh, a thug, and as you pointed out, talking about corruption in Ukraine. Of course, um, in most countries, you can find some level of corruption. So I guess it's, <laughs> it's which country you decide you want to target for, for that kind of derision. But uh, we have watched Zelensky stand up to Putin. Uh, we've watched him utilize uh, the resources of the United States and its allies in order to do that um, and to, to defend his country from total annihilation, which um, you know, for I think the vast majority of Americans has been uh, a very inspiring thing to watch. What you know, whatever your take on um, U.S. policy toward that is, uh, you know, uh, I I think it's undoubtable that uh, that he is somebody who has um, showed uh, tremendous courage and leadership. Okay, speaking of tremendous courage and leadership, the the governor of Idaho. And this got almost no attention because the votes come in too late uh, because of the time difference and, well, because it's Idaho. The governor of Idaho, <laughs> Brad Little, had a challenge from his lieutenant governor. And this has been, like, again, it's such a bizarre situation for a lieutenant governor to run against the incumbent governor uh, with whom she was elected. Now, in Idaho, they count the votes separately uh, as different from other states. But uh, the... The lieutenant governor, uh, Janice McEachan, uh, had Trump's endorsement, his total and complete endorsement, very strong endorsement. She just got wiped out. I mean, she lost almost three to one. That's got to be a little bit of a surprise, no? Um, yeah. I, I, look, what we've seen so far in primaries is that Trump-endorsed candidates are very good at getting about a third of the vote. And so if there are multiple candidates that are... Um, you know, that are viable, you know, maybe in some cases 40 percent. But if there are multiple candidates that are viable, that's a, a huge boost. Um, if it's effectively a one on one and, in, you know, in Idaho, there were three candidates, but the third candidate got about 11 percent of the vote. That, that third or so is not uh, not determinative. Now, every state is different. And I think we will see some places where the Trump endorsement is uh, more effective than that. But you're right. Uh, McCacken got completely blown out. She basically won the the uh, Canada part of Idaho. Um, if you if you look at the if you look at the, the state and the county, she wanted that that little part of Idaho that that sort of jumps up toward uh, toward the Canadian border that she won, and, and the rest of the counties went for Little. Yeah, and Little is a very strong conservative. He was endorsed by the NRA. Um, he uh, lowered taxes. He uh, had balanced budgets. Tough on anti crime. And uh, again, the fact that uh, McEachan, uh, she got, ended up 23.4% of the vote is I think what they're saying is the final tally, which isn't close to the 64%, two thirds 
that the incumbent governor received. Uh, we'll be right back with more with uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, sh- senior politics reporter for NBC News, about uh, the Republican primary, what it means. Does it Do these primaries make it less or more likely that Trump actually runs for president in 2024? We'll be right back with Jonathan Allen. Michael Medved show uh, speaking for a few minutes more to Jonathan Allen, the senior politics reporter for NBC News. He is the uh, author of the best-selling number one best-selling New York Times books, including Shattered, which is the story of the wreckage of the Clinton campaign in 2016. For those who don't remember, she was supposed to win. And to win handily. That's what uh, people were reporting literally on the very eve of the election. She didn't. Uh, President Trump won. And uh, then he lost the next campaign. And uh, Jonathan Allen wrote a book called Lucky. Not about President Trump. It's how Joe Biden barely won the presidency. Um let me let me ask you uh, something that's on the minds of everybody because one of the things that has astonished me about the news coverage of these primaries all over the country and in Idaho and in North Carolina and in Pennsylvania and in Oregon, it, everybody's asking about okay, how's tre- President Trump doing? What uh, does this mean about his influence, his dominance over the Republican Party? Uh, the, the deeper question. It seems to me, and, and you know President Trump a little bit. You've written about him as a presidential candidate before. The deeper question is, is he actually committed to running? Will he actually run in 2024? Uh, what is your thought, and do you think that the results of the primaries will matter uh, to whether he actually makes that race or not? That's a great question, Michael. Um, Number one, uh, I have kind of a different frame, I think, than a lot of other people do on the question of whether Trump is going to run for president, which is I would say that he is running for president. And it's possible that there might be something that stops him uh, between now and then in terms of, uh, you know, a change of uh, change of heart or a change of direction. But uh, he is doing everything that a presidential candidate does in terms of raising money, holding rallies, making endorsements. Um, and he's doing them in the off-year election, and he's basically been doing it since he left office. Um, and, I, you know, as somebody who has watched a lot of presidential campaigns develop, this is what one looks like. Um, and so uh, I come at it from that perspective. In terms of the question of, you know, how much these primaries end up mattering to his decision, I would say what would be more um, – what will give us better information is uh, what the midterms look like. And if um, there's a perception that uh, President Trump was helpful to Republicans in uh, picking up more seats and growing the party. Um, I think that will benefit him greatly and put him in a better position to run. On the other hand, if um, there are Trump-backed candidates that lose in the general election and a narrative starts to take hold that uh, he was the 
cause of some defeat um, or, or uh, victories less than, than robust for Republicans in the House, the Senate, and, and in governor's races, um, you know, then that, that could at least open the door to other potential candidates seeing him as vulnerable. What do you think about the idea, and it, it's one that a, a number of leading Republicans have put forward, is that the continued conversation about the stolen election, uh, what uh, a, a lot of people, media commentators and others, call the big lie. What the idea that that conversation, that obsession, actually uh, represses and discourages GOP turnout, because if people you're thinking about voting for are saying our whole electoral process is rigged, doesn't that give people kind of an excuse to just tune out on? politics. It's just all too corrupt. It's uh, all rigged and hopeless. I don't have any empirical evidence, but I'm hard-pressed to understand the mind of the voter who thinks that uh, the election system is rigged and that makes them want to vote more than they would have otherwise. So, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know of voters that are staying home because they think it's rigged, but certainly uh, I would think that the, the weight of that would be um, toward suppressing or depressing turnout um, and certainly not towards stoking it if you think if you think it's not if you think the game's not fair uh, you're less likely to play in terms of the general uh, issues on the midterms obviously the Democrats are hoping there will be a lot more focus on the abortion issue do you agree with uh, what is sort of hardening as a, a conventional wisdom observation that uh, abortion is uh, an issue that works for Democrats? Um, you know, certainly the energy uh, among uh, among supporters of abortion rights is going to be is going to be there, um, but it has been there for a long time. You know, the uh, the possibility of Roe being overturned has existed for a long time. People have been raising money off of it for a long time organizing their political bases around it. Um, I do think it's interesting that Republicans have been a little bit muted, I think, uh, you know, since that draft opinion was released. And it may be that they're waiting to see what the final result is. But I'm, I don't think that they believe, I don't think Republican leaders believe um, that this is a good issue for them in, you know, largely in swing districts and swing states. Um, how much that's a big issue, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think the biggest issue on everyone's plate right now is inflation, um, and I think Republicans are going to want to keep the attention on that. I think Democrats are going to try to deflect attention from it, but the, the truth is it's one of those issues that's impossible to ignore. I mean, if you fill up your tank with gas, you know, uh, you know it's more expensive than it used to be. Yeah, the, the, the last, last point I, I wanted to touch upon is that we're right now in the middle of a a very serious, very major war with tremendous costs in human life and destruction in in terms of uh, certainly major costs for Russia in terms of their diplomatic losses and the uh, the accession and in, in, in NATO of Finland and Sweden and all of that going on. Isn't it likely that we have some major development, either an indication of um, something more like a Ukrainian victory or a Russian victory, and that the the war in Ukraine, with either a very encouraging outcome or very tragic outcome, 
that that could um, also emerge as a major issue? Um, you know, I think it could emerge as a major issue. Um, and it's something that appears to be ongoing for a long time. This does not appear to be uh, a situation that is going to resolve itself quickly. And so I think as a result of that, um, at any moment it could flare up. And, you know, there's a cost to it. We're, we're watching tens of, of billions of dollars being, you know, pushed out the door. And um, I think, you know, for the time being, there's a lot of support for that in Congress and among the, among the population. Um, but that may not always be the case. Um, so, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a potential, it's a potential issue. It's just hard to know how that's going to play out. Yeah, and, and particularly it's a potential issue regarding the approval rating of President Biden and whether he runs for re-election uh, or not. Right now, his approval rating slipping below 40% in many polls. Do you believe if you had to make your best guess, Jonathan Allen, we've talked about this before, is um, Biden going to be a candidate for re-election? It's a $64,000 question for the Democrats. Uh, he insists that he will be, and at the same time, what we're watching, among other Democrats, it, it seems is a belief that he's not going to be running. Uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign manager from uh, from 2020 put out a memo to allies a couple of weeks ago saying, uh, saying you know, basically keep your powder dry. If Biden doesn't run, Bernie's ready to do it, potentially. Um, we've seen Elizabeth Warren emerging again in the news. Uh, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg is doing a fundraising dinner in, in Minnesota for the Minnesota State Democratic Party. I cannot remember a cabinet secretary doing something like that before. We all know that uh, Vice President Harris would look to run if, if Biden did. So we're starting to see the, the sort of shadow jockeying on the Democratic side that suggests that um, at least the people in, in high levels of power are, um, are thinking that Biden might not run. And, and right. again, if he's in a position where it doesn't look like he can, um, if he's, you know, Lyndon Johnson in 1968, and I think we're a long way off from that in terms of, you know, the, the Democratic support for Biden has not collapsed the way that it did for Johnson. But if he was working at a primary like Johnson was in 68, it would be foolish to run. Well, it, it would be very difficult, especially running for against a candidate like Bernie Sanders, who can make the point that he has more um, experience. He's the more seasoned candidate, right, uh, that um, a young whippersnapper like Joe Biden at age 79 uh, just <laughs> should, should. I mean, you know, I, I, one of them will bar borrow the great Reagan line, right? Uh, uh, or, or was it Mondale? I forget. One of those guys said, "Won't uh, hold my, my." I think it was Reagan said, "Won't hold my uh, my opponent's youth in experience against him about Mondale." Um, right. I, you know, you could certainly see that playing out on the debate stage again. Without question, yeah. Reagan said, yeah, "My my opponent's youth and inexperience." Um, and in any event, there is much more to come. Uh, obviously, a dramatic and significant election. Jonathan Allen of NBC, thank you for participating in the conversation in this greatest nation on God's green earth.